So then, Ben, uh, it's director review time. Uh, welcome aboard to these episodes. We've obviously done quite a few of these uh, so far. Uh, and this is your pick. Yeah. Um, Andres Zulavsky. Yeah. Uh, he, and the reason I've agreed to do this is because he definitely fits the criteria of what we look for when we do these director review uh, episodes. You know, someone who has made their mark on cinema, perhaps because of the auteur nature of their work. Uh, or, you know, maybe most importantly, someone who, you know, with that voice, really doesn't get a fair crack of the whip on TV channels or, I suppose we have to now say, streaming services. Um, so, you know, Zalafsky is definitely one of those people. So we will go through all of his films over the next hour and a half or so. Um, but before we commence, Ben, uh, as I say, he was your pick for one of these episodes. So what does Zalafsky mean to you and uh, how did you discover well, him? Really? That's a very good question. Um, okay, so Andrzej Zalafsky is he's, he's Polish, but he, he's born in Ukraine. Um, he's born in 1940, so he's coming up in uh, a very exciting time in Polish cinema. Um, where Roman Polanski is trying to get his first movie made and Zalowski is working with Vida, who I do not know enough about. Um, and he's part of a, a, a large a kind of family of creatives as well. So apparently if, if you say Zalowski to a Polish person, they will say which one, because there are lots of them. Um, <laughs> and how I came to discover him is interesting. I found one of his films in a box and I thought this looks interesting. Um, this happened uh, about four years ago now. Um, I took it home and I watched it and it, it, that film that I found in the box is, is now my favorite movie of all time. I just adore it. And then I was like, Oh, it's the guy who made possession. No way. Well, I, I never saw possession. So let's go and see possession. Let's spiral out and watch all of his movies. And I just found him fascinating because there isn't anyone else like him. Um, there, if you have to kind of like explain what he's like, the closest I can come to is let's think that there's a Venn diagram where you have Tarkovsky on one side and Hodorowsky on the other. And where they overlap, that's where Zalowski lives. He lives in this kind of this gray, gorgeous, sterile Tarkovsky world, which is filled with hysteria and screaming and bizarreness from Hodorowsky. Um, the, the fact that they're, they're, are all these people Ukrainian actually? That's interesting. Hodorowsky's Ukrainian. Mm. Um, um, I don't he, he's he's unique for me. His films are not like anybody else's films. Um, they're clear. Every single film is clearly a metaphor for something else as well. Uh, it's not films are not about what they're about. They're about something else. Um, and yes, some of his films are difficult. I'm not going to lie. Um, we will be talking about a couple of those we, we, shortly. Rewatching <laughs> um, re the Devil, I was thinking, oh, what have I done to Theo here? Um, but it, it's his, you have no idea. It's his third <laughs> film, which is, I think, the most difficult. Um, he got extremely. He 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 bore the brunt of control and banning in Poland. He fled Poland. Well, fled Poland. He left yeah. Poland. Um, and then went to go and live in France. And then he, he came back to he this fascinating, his third film or fourth film, I get kind of lost, On the Silver Globe, um, which spends 10 years, I think, being made. Um, it's a very, very strange film. It's... But of course, we will get into yeah. all of those uh, throughout the episode. Um, yeah, you mentioned the France yes. thing. What's most in what's interesting to me is, you know, the fact that he did go to France to study mm. cinema. Uh, and he ended up staying there for mm. a long time. Uh, you know, as a keen foodie that I am, for mm -hmm. example, like the vast majority of chefs in the world have either done an apprenticeship in French yeah. kitchens or have been taught by someone who's au fait with like classic haute cuisine. Because essentially, that's like the core fundamentals you need to succeed in a yeah. kitchen, right? Same with European cinema. In European cinema, particularly in the 1950s, the French New Wave was without question yeah. king. So for Zalavsky to kind of focus in yep. on that and be around France around that time, I mean, you, let, let, let's not kid ourselves, all the listeners, you don't necessarily see the fruits of that labour and the success of that labour, should no. we say, in his first couple of films that we'll be starting off this episode <laughs> with. That goes without it's, saying. It's also <laughs> worth mentioning that when he graduated and when he first started to work as an assistant, he worked for a French director. He found the experience awful, absolutely unbearable. Yep. Oh, I'm sure. And Polanski yeah. managed to get him a job um, assisting Vida instead, which he just said it was it was just ridiculous because Vida knew exactly what he was doing, and every everyone on the crew had faith in Vida. Whereas this French director, he said, whose name I will not tell you, 
um, would just was the opposite of that. So he 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 grew he grew up learning in France, but he doesn't necessarily respect French cinema, which I think is no, important. Uh... But he, 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 he certainly does some of it later, um, which, 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 which we'll definitely come on to, obviously. But before we get to that point, his debut feature, Ben, would you please tell us about yeah. uh, Third Part of the Night from 1971? Yeah. So Third Part of the Night is Zolowski's, uh debut film. Um, it's written in collaboration with his father, Miroslav Zolowski, who, um who lived through World War II. And it's a story about, and I'm doing bunny ears because it's always about something, but not really. <laughs> it's about a guy whose wife and child are killed. Um, he then travels back to it's Warsaw, right? Um, I then guess travels so. back to Warsaw. <laughs> and he 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 forms a relationship with a woman who looks exactly the same as his wife, um, whose husband is killed due to this guy um, being on the run. He's part of the resistance. And he then gets a job uh, feeding lice, which I looked up. And apparently <laughs> this was a job that tens of thousands of intellectuals did in Poland during the war. Um, because you had, to, you had to find work, you had to get papers. Uh, if you were a cobbler or a tinsmith or whatever, it was easy for you to get work. If you're an intellectual and you wrote plays and poems, you are boned. However, what you can do is you can feed lice. And tens of thousands of intellectuals in Poland used to do this. They would sit in a room have boxes of lice strapped to themselves and then feed them. And you could feed lice that didn't have typhus or lice that did have typhus. Um, you would get better papers one way or the other. But the whole, the whole reason this was done was to create vaccines for, for typhus or typhoid. I don't know. Um, and that's the kind of initial setup. And then hilarity ensues, I think, works for <laughs> um, as uh, lots of stuff happens around central character mm. um, it's it's interesting it's, he's finding his feet i think he's finding his feet with his with both his first two films i think he's learning yep. about what he's interested in what he's not interested in um i would say i would go to my grave saying that zolowski's films become better when he puts female central characters in them because prior yep. to that you've got these kind of sleepwalking gentlemen who kind of they're, they're like hypnotized and they kind of they go through these bizarre landscapes of smoke and screaming people and then you've got these absolutely fascinating women um populating place but they they're not really they're not key so they're just kind of a bit weird until that you also get fun fact uh Malgajata Brownek is the lead in third part of the night she also turns up in the devil and Zolowski married her had a child with her and that is the basis for his film possession so when you come yep. into this when you meet Malgajata Brownek for the first time you're kind of like oh pleased to meet you I've heard so much about you <laughs> not all of it good um, which is that's an interesting kind of like hindsight point on there. I love the third part of the night. I, I really love it. I think it's it's got um, World War II insights that I didn't know about. Yep. It's got this kind of um, this crazy careening 70s guys reading of all this. There's, there's no attempt to kind of make it a period piece. It is a period piece, but it's a period piece with 70s music and crazy aesthetics dumped onto it. it he doesn't um he's not trying to make a film set in 1944 he's making a film set in 1971 about the war it's kind of kind of fascinating it it's relentless it's bizarre um it features a, a very intense birth scene um yes. <laughs> the birth scene is really <laughs> what you leave it features a lot of lice if you like lice um some fascinating stuff the sound is wonderful um uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, all of these. These are all my thoughts on the third part of the night. They're just, yeah, it's a much easier film than The Devil, I think. Lice, lice, baby. <laughs> um, I didn't like it. I think I could probably gather that. Uh, the best bit for me was actually what you've mentioned, the childbirth scene. That was a that was a beautifully executed piece of film. That was yeah. wow. That was genuinely like Christ. Um, you know. <laughs> Just amazing stuff. Um, I love that and everything about that particular scene and like what it meant at that point, like the shift away from just being something that looked like a British TV movie, oh, basically. Yeah, uh, uh, that sounds a bit harsh, but it's actually yeah, true because yeah. it looks it looks dreadful, sounds fairly dreadful, um, and it's got this like it, 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 the, the made Warsaw look like nineteen nineteen fifties London, like people chasing each other with batons yeah. almost. It yeah. was a uh, hmm. Yeah. But then it just became a little bit too meandery for me, yes. Benjamin. I'm no, afraid. no, no, it's fine. Too many, too many long-winded conversations here and there. Like it's all well and good saying that you know the twist, 
at the end, if you can call it that, you know, uh, which I don't I'm think I'm not sure it if is, it's a twist. I, it, I mean, it, it's a number of twists. Yeah, I mean, there's no, it, it's not, it's, you know, it's nothing we haven't no. seen before, and that's the point. And I don't mean that in terms of modern day, obviously, because that would be incredibly patronising towards a 1970s film. It's a thing that's happened throughout the yeah. decades, this kind of thing. You know, and for me personally, I honestly judge all movies equally, regardless of decade mm-hmm. or genre, uh, whether it's 50s, 40s, 60s, whatever, all the way to the present day. The only thing that's really actually changed in these times has, has been uh, technology. Mm. Um, you know, so the fact that this is an early 70s movie and was trying to be daring and next dimensionalist, if you will, and all the rest of it, you know, there were plenty of better films that did it after 1971, but also before 1971. They did very, very similar things to this all mm. over the place. So I'm certainly not going to give too much credence to, you know, the year of the production and how you should maybe look on it more fondly yeah. or whatever. Um, it's just, for me, it's not a great yeah. movie. Um, and and the, the, the debate about finding your feet and stuff, it can kind of go either way because is it overly simplistic to say that this is merely the work of an angry young director who just wanted to, you know, make an immediate impact throwing as much mud at the wall to see what stuck? Maybe that's true, maybe it isn't because some some people peak very, very early and then they become less angry and their work loses a bit of vavavoom. Whereas uh, I think we can safely say with Zlavsky Mm. Ben that the anger that he shows in his first two films uh, he only only gets more angry, yep. actually, and actually, when he gets more angry, his films get yeah, better. Absolutely. So it, it's hard to pin, it's hard to pin down why his first two films just aren't as good as what's well, to come. I later, think it's really. it's the the central character is being male is a big part of it. I think, and also I think his main influence going going in and at the end of his cinema is um, a Polish writer called Witold Gombrowicz, who was a big influence on everybody. So Jerzy Skolomowski, Roman Polanski, uh, Andrzej Wajda. They're all talking about Gombrowicz all the time. And I think that, that throughout Zalowski's career, you get the sense of him being a director who reads novels and whose films are novelistic rather than uh, screenplayistic. They don't, they don't follow any kind of save the cat formula. They're rambling, meandering things where scenes play out without, you know, these days we're kind of ingrained in a scene starts and ends. And within that, we have to learn something about the characters and the story has to progress. But that doesn't happen in novels. And I, I feel like Zalowski's constantly doing that. And the beginning and ends of his career are, are Gombrowicz heavy, um, very much so. Very kind of very surreal walking from one time to the next time in, in one unbroken camera movement. And that's where he starts and ends um his his career so i I think that's going and it's kind of nice for me to watch a a film made by someone who reads books like that that (laughs) no one reads books anymore um so if you if you look at his films as novels but then they're also pure cinema in that they're only interested in sensation and hysteria rather than making sense that they, they, they just they occupy this unique place for me which is it, a very special place i would never argue that he is the greatest filmmaker ever made and i would never argue anyone's right to not enjoy any of his films but for me each one even on the silver globe um they're all special they are difficult <laughs> oh oh for sure and what's interesting about um a director that's obviously clearly you know is, is well yeah. read um, so uh, everything always comes back to Fritz Lang. Yeah. Everything always yeah. comes back to him. There's a guy that used to make films based on what he read in the newspaper. Yeah. So, uh, you know, books, newspapers, reading is yeah. good. Uh, and I, I personally don't do it nearly enough of it. But um, boy, did I have to read up on Devil. <laughs> boy, did I have to read up on Devil to ascertain <laughs> meaning. And I would never admit such a thing normally. But for Devil, I had no choice. Uh, 1975 are we in now? Or have I skipped, or skipped too far ahead? 1973. I think it's 72, but then it was... Oh, it could, could even be 72. Then, there you go. Oh, oh. for a long time. So. It was, yeah. So of that flummox with Devil, that I don't even know when it was released. Let's call 1972 yeah. from uh, Diab- Diabel, otherwise known as Devil. During the Prussian army's invasion in Poland in 1793, hence why I thought it was 1973, yeah, I thought he was being clever with things, but he wasn't being clever, he was just being normal. Um, Jakob, who was a nobleman, is saved from imprisonment by a stranger who he then follows across the country. Jakob sees the overall chaos of his country and essentially becomes demented by it and goes on a killing mm-hmm. spree. Now, that is the easiest, and that sounds like a really straightforward mm. thing, uh, and, and it sounds like the film will, like, you know, be 
eminently watchable and easy to follow because of that? It's no. not. Um, no. <laughs> as, we, as we say, it was banned in communist Poland at the time of its release, which, again, we think now is 1972. <laughs> um, for reasons that, that, to be fair, are actually fairly obvious You know, when, or when you want to watch it, if you want to watch it. I personally ban it because it's just not a very good movie to watch, really. <laughs> As usual, with what becomes quite apparent in, in in at least this little World War World War kind of historical phase of Zalowski's yeah. work, uh, we've got some horseback oh, action. Yeah. We've got plenty of squealing, yeah. uh, which he will continue for later oh, yeah. films. <laughs> uh, we've got some guitar music during moments of yeah. duress. Um, and, and in fact, I read somebody else's review uh, just to prove that I was actually sane enough to not like oh, no, uh, no, yeah. Devil. To prove that I was the only one that, that, that obviously not the only one. <laughs> evidently, there's quite a few that others that don't for right reasons. Uh, they said there's a lot of pushing around and not a lot of else. There's um, lot of pushing so in there this you movie. Go. Really, is. that's that's kind of yeah. my review of yeah. Devil. Really, there's a lot of pushing around and not yeah. a lot of else. I think really, the reason yeah. you're finding a lot of good <laughs> reviews for it is because people who are looking for this kind of thing are seeking it out, and then when they find it, they're like, "Oh, thank the Lord, I found it finally." Whereas people who come <laughs> yeah. across it by mistake are like, "What the hell was that?" Move on to what they're looking yeah. for um it's yeah devil is devil is turned up to 11 for its entire duration um it's really a very very odd film indeed um it's supposed to be a metaphor for the the polish revolution of 1968 of course um yeah. and i'm not 100 sure how i'm not sure who who's the communist regime in this movie and who's not i'm not is Jakub um poland or is, is jacob communism is the devil communism the devil's communism right it's, it's gotta be yeah yeah oh yeah i mean and as a nobleman he would obviously have certain inclinations towards a certain way of yeah. thinking so so it's yeah. communist communism leading him astray it's it's kind of like um oh god what's that guillermo del toro film pan's labyrinth where uh the the pan is the the fascist regime and the devil here is yep. the communist regime leading him astray um it's a it's bizarre um it's a very extreme um i think my favorite bit is the bit where the the king uh takes jacob to be tortured and takes him from a to b by tying him to a horse and riding the horse the woods um that is the actor playing jacob tied to the back of that horse as he's been dragged Woods. um so yeah that's a hell of a thing <laughs> that was that was so extreme um and the, yeah and then the bit where jacob stabs a horse and then him and the nun jump off the horse and then get trampled on by the horse like <laughs> that's not cgi that's, no, that's no. hurling a woman in front of a horse that was uh fascinating and that, that's kind of like what the film is like all the way along it's these long metaphorical or, or metaphysical if you want to say conversations about uh evil and stuff while insanity reigns I mean, insanity really reigns in this film I, I can't like sometimes people will ask me for a recommendation for a bonkers movie and I would put Devil in in that, in the same kind of group as the Holy Mountain and kind of stuff. But you really have to be ready for the fact that the Devil will not let up for one minute. It will be eleven all the way to the end. Yeah, I quite like the dancing oh, the scenes. Dance. You know, they're, they're, they're fascinating because that that's when you bring in um, something like Feston. Uh, the handheld camera in weaving in and out, very very von yeah. Trier like, which is bizarre for a 1972 yeah. film. Uh, I've, I've never actually heard whether von Trier was a, was a Zdarsky fan. I don't think I don't he, he well, he's certainly so. not name he's not name checked no. him, but that the handheld in a dancing yeah. scene thing, he uh, he's done that more than a couple yeah. of times. Yeah. So that's interesting, and just the idea of you know what what it all means, yeah. you know royalty kind of just and the, just the the lucid nature yeah. of kind of torture and the, the, the evil in everyone yeah i get i do get all that but it's, it's just it's, uh, it's, it's not a, i i, I and, and this is not a criticism by any means but i just don't think this is a film that you're actually supposed to enjoy no, not at all for a second like to, to, to with, with a clipboard yeah. maybe and make it make a few notes and I mean, go, oh that was interesting a... oh god look at look at that but it, to, to, to actually enjoy yeah. it and, and in, that's an interesting thing because Zalowski, there's this quote that he's, he said, which I, I, I don't have to hand, but his, his point was that most people believe that a film is only made for their enjoyment. And that was something that he had an issue with because he's not making yeah. films for anyone's enjoyment. Damn straight, he's not. Uh, I mean, just <laughs> in uh, connection to the dancing bit, I really like the bit where he sees act out apart from Hamlet 
and then he bumps into these actors later on, um, mutilates one of them, and then he gets them to do the scene again. And he kind of like shuffles around them left and right with a knife in his hand while they act out the scene. Um, all the while, uh, he's kind of being the Zolowski camera, like moving, roaming around, like prowling like an animal. All the while, the camera is also prowling around Zolowski style because you're watching the Zolowski film. And uh, that for me is the first time that Zolowski gets metatextual in his films where he talks about performance <laughs> and directing and control because he'll, he'll do this more and more as he goes on until, until, until he's doing it like no one you've ever seen. It's ridiculous. Um, and that, that I, I thought was good. Finding his feet, putting the women in the middle, taking this metatextual thing to the fore. Like he's, he's, he's slowly kind of working out who he wants to be as a filmmaker. Um, although he said it's far more important to learn how to live <laughs> than to learn how to make movies. Um, interesting guy. Devil one for the extremists. So then, then, now we move on to the fruits of Zalowski's previously discovered French labour. How exciting! Finally, we're here after only two films. <laughs> With the most important thing, Love, which he made in uh, 1975, which actually was so successful, it enabled Zalowski to move back to Poland afterwards. Is that right, Ben? Lucky, lucky guy. Yeah, he went lucky straight, guy. <laughs> straight back to work on On the Silver Globe, his, uh, his intended masterpiece. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, but that's going to come much later on, obviously. Yeah. For now, the most important thing, love, it's a love story, basically, between a photographer who meets an actress on the set of gentle porn movies. Uh, he borrows money off loan sharks in order to assist her in getting a part in a proper stage play, Richard III. And mm. uh, she, Nadine, is torn between him, who obviously she's grateful for the opportunity and is gradually falling in love, and her actual husband, uh, ben, when we see for the first time uh, here, is that for me at least, is Zelovsky's sense of humour. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's what I get out of this film that I quite like. Yeah. Um, a I lot. think he's getting a lot of things for, for the first time from Zelovsky. Yes. His, his, and, after the first two films, a lot of stuff embeds down and will stay in his career forever now. Yep, and one of them is humour, without question. I mean, all I have to say regarding the humour in this, in this film, Ben, is uh, up, 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 up. Up, 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 up. Amazing. Yeah. He's, how um, ca how could you not Bobby choose Williams. him? <laughs> he's, he's just for divine. Apparently it was quite controversial. This is his first ever acting performance. He acted, he's acted in a lot of films since, but he was just a pop star at the time. Yeah. So casting him in this, people were like, what are you doing? He, it's the Robbie Williams thing. But Jacques Dutronc is fantastic in this film. He, he injects a lot of life um, and a lot of humour into it. He really does. Up, 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 up being the least of them uh, i mean how could you even not be with him for that reason what, oh, the, him, him getting up for breakfast is by far and away the best getting up for breakfast i've ever seen in cinema yes yes and and also the the most celebrated discussion of his coffee and then he goes <laughs> it's, it's nescafe guy you're just making instant coffee what the hell but this whole noise is made about how great his coffee is but yeah him getting up um is fantastic and also i don't know if it, when he leaves them to do the photography and he walks off and he's doing the <laughs> up 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 until he thinks he's out of sight and then he just stops and goes kind of dead inside and then strolls yes. oh. and then it's, and he's singing of course he's wonderful singing oh. and speaking of noises too ben yeah. the boings the, uh, run this one by me again. Which Boings have we got here? The Boings. So when there's moments of conversation in this film, there are Boings in the background. Do you remember those? I don't remember. And, and I've seen this film a lot of times. Yeah. I don't remember those. No. The, I mean, it sounds like your stomach after a dodgy balty. It, um, it really, really, really does. Go and watch the film again, and everybody will pick out... Well, ev everyone will listen to us recommending this film. They'll, listen, they'll hear the Boings, and then you'll have to go and hear the Boings too. It's oh, a bizarre and interesting thing, Ben. Um, and, and he always does it during moments of absolute important um, conversation, particularly yeah. when it comes to a man or woman having a chat. There will be a boing in there. And it's oh, like, okay. right, interesting. I like it a lot, though. Um, I must admit, I did lose interest a little bit towards the end. It does mm -hmm. sort of meander a bit. Mm -hmm. It definitely feels a bit too long. Mm -hmm. um, because, it, because essentially, actually, considering uh, how the simplicity does keep this film going for a long time, it because of the meandering nature, it does actually start to actually get a bit boring at the end because of its simplicity. It yeah. adds and it, and it 
adds in the wrong kind of challenge for me. Like oh, it kind of goes off onto a little, um, what is a play? When is it real? Who are all these people? Uh, the Richard the Third, the Richard the Third stuff gets very confusing. There's yes. also other, there's also other stage performances that happen, uh, and there's conflict between people that that are very very weird and strange, and it doesn't really yes. get resolved. Nothing actually happens. So there are some strange moments in this film without question, Ben. But of course, we yeah. are talking about Zalowski here. So yeah. and, and for Zalowski, this is like the most normal thing you're ever going to get. Yes. <laughs> So really, sit tight with that one. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm a little bit biased with it. This is my favourite film of all time by far. Um, I adore of his it. or of all time of all time of all time of all time of any. Wow, this this is my favourite film ever. Um, when I first watched it, it felt this. Uh, you know, uh, Haruki Murakami, the Japanese writer. Mm-hmm. He does this whole thing about discovering things which are, are just for you where instead of the the mass populist choice when sure. you discover yeah. something which is just so perfect for you um when i first saw this film immediately for like from the from the opening three seconds or so i was like oh this has been made just for, with me in mind hasn't it and the entire film plays out that way um for me there's a lot of potential subtext going on in here which Solowski was very open with and i think that this is a, this whole film is a giant metaphor about cinema it, it itself i think this is a film about cinema and i think all the people in it are playing the roles required in the perpetuation of cinema so for me fabio testi the, the main guy Sevimon, the photographer is the film itself and all the film wants to do is look at something or someone and in this case the film wants to look at uh, Nadine Chevalier Romy Schneider the actress and the film will do anything it can in order to look at her including getting into bed with financiers who are literal gangsters mm-hmm. in this in order to get the money so that it can continue to look at her there's a whole 15 or 20 minutes of this film where Fabio Testi doesn't get to see Nadine at all until he does this deal with these gangsters who, outside of producing a play, their main areas are gambling, pornography, and extortion. That's how they make their money. They're just interested in money. They're artless, horrible, evil people. And they're the ones who allow him to continue looking. Until he gets that money, he's not allowed to see her. As soon as he gets the money, pow, Nadine straight in the next scene. He's at the back of the room watching her secretly, and and you're off again. Jacques Dutronc, the hilarious Jacques Dutronc, is for me the he's the audience. He's the the people who perpetuate famous people who allow them to continue. But what the audience loves is the audience loves the idea of a, a famous person, the frozen image. And Jacques Dutronc in this film collects photographs of famous people, and he places his love of photographs over his real life wife who he lives with his photos are much more important to him the the cinema history is more important to him than the real life actress that he's living with people are unpredictable and you can't control them you can control pictures and for me there's just so much going on here about how cinema works how it perpetuates the the weird people who are responsible for the creation of it everyone from the the intellectual who never knows what time of day it is who's drunk all the time and lives in a have you ever seen a house with more books than I <laughs> well uh, i mean it is a french film so yes ben i have <laughs> um so every from- french film that involves um almost, almost anybody I mean, yeah. particularly Juliette Binoche, you know, I mean, she, if she's in a film that doesn't involve her having a debate about literature, then it's not worth watching. So. Exactly. But the, 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 the intellectual guy, he's a playwright. He lives in a house which is just wall-to-wall books everywhere, all over the place. And there are, there are certain moments, and of course you've got the actors and the directors who all live these bizarre, debauched lives. Karl Heinz Zimmer, you know where you are with that guy. Um and I just feel like there's, there's this whole kind of subtextual thing going on. So you've got this love story straight, but you've also got this story about film's obsession with looking at women and all the yep. kind of yep. machinery around it that goes towards this. And then you've got this film, which kind of is almost about itself. The opening scenes of the film are a phony reenactment of what happens at the end of this yep. film as well. It kind of like dovetails itself beautifully. I'm, I'm, I'm I would be the first person to say 
This is not what you would call the greatest film ever made. But for me, it's just there's so much that I love about this film, so much that it feels like it was made just with me in mind. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 know, I can't really be objective about it. I love it. I love it so hard. Well, I mean, I mean the reason I greatest film of all time because exactly. it's always it's always going to be a personal choice. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, that that's the reality of it. So you shouldn't certainly apologise for that. Nah, <laughs> that's fine. Know, no, 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 no. Um, I mean, yeah, but, but uh, this interesting. I mean, both of us have come come from it with completely different angles. For me, it's the it's the simplicity that I like in the humour, and for you, it's all the nuance. And yeah. if a film, if any film, can have two complete polar opposite views, and we both get enjoyment out of it, it's yeah. a successful film. There is no two ways about it. You know what? Um, I think you made another film that uh, could be looked at in lots of different ways. Indeed, and yeah. uh, well, and 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 I think speaking about something incredibly personal to you, yeah. um, we're now going to move on to his film that is for the masses, or or at least has become for the masses. Absolutely, uh, a cult film. Um, I mean, Ben, bloody elf. People greater than us have written and written, spoken lots of things about possession. Yeah, uh, that doesn't mean that we're excluding having a go as well, because we are doing obviously a Andres Zulavsky look back. So yeah. to that end, Ben, whatever you'd like to say about possession, go ahead. Okay, so possession, 1981. This is Zulavsky, by far Zulavsky's most famous film. Indeed. Um, a fact which confused him to the end of his day. He never, <laughs> ever understood why this was his number one movie whatsoever. Because mm. for him, this was his most personal movie he ever made. Um, sensibly, it's about a husband and wife who have fallen out of love with each other. They, they have a child um, and their relationship slowly falls apart. It is based on the relationship that Zolowski had with, um, I think her name is Malgajeta Brownick. The actress from she was in the, the third part of the night. She also had a smaller role in The Devil, as well. Uh, her and Zolovsky had a child. Their marriage fell apart. Yep. Zolovsky decided to turn that story into a kind of a metaphysical story um, involving monsters. So yep. you've got a couple splitting up. You've got the child that they share. Um, he's he's fictionalized a little bit. He's very cleverly, I think, placed the film in Berlin. Yeah. Um, and then right next to that wall <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. uses locations between I think he's right next to the wall in a kind of this area of East Berlin, which is very kind of run down. And then he's somewhere much more modern, which I think, I mean, is it, it is West Berlin, I presume. Um, looks a lot more anonymous, a lot more like a fishbowl, very blue. It's got a very also, kind of, also more arty. So hmm. yeah, well, much artier in a kind of uh, modernity sense, whereas yeah. the East Berlin scene is a much kind of, I don't know, turn of the century a little bit. You still got modernity going on. Um, so yeah, so you've got Sam Neill plays a husband, Mark. He, um, God knows what his job is, something kind of a bit suspicious and a bit spy. Uh, and his wife is, yes. who lives at home. It d does it even matter what his job is? It doesn't even Absolutely matter. Absolutely not. <laughs> not even a bean. Apparently it's something quite big. We move on from that very quickly. Um, he suspects his wife is having an affair with someone. He tries to track down who this is. He discovers who it is. Um, but then things become much more complicated as Anna perhaps, maybe, turns her rage and anger into a physical being that she gives birth to in the subway and then leaves in a, an empty house to continue having an affair with. Perhaps that's what's happening. Having previously, having previously, of course, been impregnated by said alien beast. Yes, as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tentacles and all. Yeah, I mean, what I love about Possession is, again, a, a grown-up film about a grown-up topic. So like with Antichrist, the discussion of grief taken to yep. an absolute extreme. Um, grief is a horrendous thing that tears you apart, tears relationships apart. What happens if you make a film where the couple literally tear each other apart? It's, and do is, is doing that. They meat-grind each other apart. They meat-grind each other, they see <laughs> each other, they, 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 they create doppelgangers of each yep. other they, hate <laughs> they kill other people um there is a glory and I, I don't really know how to put into words how excited i was when when i first saw possession i was loving every minute of it and then how we got up not? to a bit where how can you not and then you get the bit where sam neil comes home and someone's left some reels of film outside his house in an envelope um he takes them in and watches them and that that for me is this is the eye of the duck because 
what you've got here is presumably um, Isabelle Agenie's uh, affair partner, Heinrich's films of her teaching yeah. ballet classes mm-hmm. where she is a completely different person. And you've got this, you, you're having to sit down. I don't know how else you would do this in a film in a way that's so successful. Um, but you sit down and you realize that the person you spent so much of your life with is not that person at all. There's a whole different person going on there and you've just been blind to it. Um, and it's just, it's wonderful. The, the, you get about seven minutes of Isabelle Agenie being the strictest ballet mistress you've ever yes. seen and doing this, this very heartfelt thing about you say I for me. And pushing yourself harder. If, if there's anyone out there who's thinking they're having a rough day, just go for, get possession. Go to the bit where Isabel Agenie is talking about pushing yourself harder. Push yourself harder. Be like Isabel. You can do this. You got this. No one else is going to say I for you. Just keep Indeed. on. Very, um, incom- very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable scene. Really? Uh, but engaging as well and enthralling. I mean, I mean, we, we, we let's be fair, Ben. We could dedicate the entire episode just to that one film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we do have to talk about his others, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but only, uh, not well, unfortunately, in the sense of I could talk about this some more, and we will talk about it a little bit more. Uh, I mean, you me- you've mentioned the subway scene; just the acting in that alone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how she's able to reach those levels of hysteria is just for such a petite woman, and yeah, I don't know where she gets just, where she got the strength from. I mean, I mean, I, I must admit, I do, I do often do check the IMDb trivia things. I would lo- love to catch just some, some interviews from either Sam or her, just yeah. where they were talking about how they were able to reach those places because the the the, the manial the maniac performances they're they're, they're high intense yeah. practically all the way through. Yeah. What I, but having said that, Sam Neill does have some really nice chill moments with his with his son, yeah. um, who's called yeah. Bob. Why not called Bob? I mean, it's just yeah, such yeah. a perfect name a for a child. Yeah. It's called Bob. Bob. Um, said, yeah, Zolowski had it. That's his his most kept secret is how he got his performances out of his actors because people would always ask him, "How do you get these intense?" Yeah performances and he was he was always like yeah i'm not going to tell you that's that's my secret i don't say um well so he, i mean, I, mean pro- I, I suspected the problem he probably did, he did nothing else than what any other director would would probably do um yeah. i mean because he's, he's obviously worked with with ones before and he's worked with them again so yeah. it's not as it, it's it's not you know it's not fritz lang pushing somebody down the stairs you know no, no, <laughs> it's uh, it's literally not that but uh, i mean what, what what other scenes have we got i mean i've, I've mentioned the, the meat grinder i've mentioned that we've mentioned the subway one already i mean what I, about the ending i mean what i mean we're, we're happy to spoil things because obviously we are looking back at things and you've had 30 odd years to watch this film um yeah. so i mean just that just i mean my favorite ending of all time basically yeah. i mean what why don't films do this more basically blowing everything up Boomsies, and it also is the same ending as um, the the most important thing is to love as well. It's, it's yeah, just the blow the fuck up. You basically, hi hi guys, just just to let you know, you, I've taught you on this journey that this this ridiculous thing for like two hours, whatever it was, um, and now I'm going to send you home, and uh, and I'm going to I'm literally going to get rid of every single thing that you've watched over the last two hours. Yep. Bish bash bosh boom, gone. Fade to white, end movie, like. That's all I want in any ending now, actually. I want every film to end this way. And they can go on my merry way and, and, and relive, and, and the characters will stay with me forever, therefore, because I know, I know they are now dead because I've seen them being blown up. They're all boomed. I think, yeah. I think what he's learned to do, though, because like with Third Part of the Night and The Devils, he's got his intensity thing going on, but with um, Important Things to Love and Possession... He's given it a well, purpose. He's get, He's giving giving it a purpose, but he's also, he's that everyone is 11 all the time, but often they're acting like they're at a six, but you can see that they are at 11 inside. Um, He's he's, just look at at the eyes, just look at, just look at the face, just, just, you know, the strain is just, you know. It wow. never gets away. It, it it never stops. I love one of my favorite bits in this film is Sam Neill after he after the the divorce is not divorce but the separation is finalized and then it cuts to him waking up in the most hungover sleep <laughs> appearance ever. Yeah. And he asks uh, a, a lady comes in to clean the room. How long have I been here? Three days, sir. And you're like, what a bender that was. Um, but it just, but there you go. It's just like three days of drinking and not sleeping and freaking out in that one line that he delivers. Every there's so much going on in everyone all the time. 
I mean, but you also get plenty of silent moments too. And this is why, because for me, I mean, basically every director is known for one film that kind of puts him or her on the map. Um, Even though though his previous film kind of made him move back to where he would be able to become on the map again, this is the film that kind of put him on the map. Yeah. Uh, or at least for the modern audience, as in nowadays audience. But actually, I think even then, it made a massive splash, did it not? Um, it did. Oh, no, it really did. And so, in, in, also thanks to Carlo Ramboldi, should mention him as well, the, the designer of E.T. Um, yep. worked on Possession and designed the monster for Possession. And the, I've, I've, seen, I've watched a lot of monster movies, and this is probably one of the vaguest monsters I've ever seen in a film. All the better you know, for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you never have a clear idea what it is, what its shape is, how it's... It's, it's just a mystery. A big it, 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 to, to still be... To, to be able to be disturbed by something like that, um, particularly yeah. watching it, watching this film now, uh, to, to be able to, for that to happen is a great achievement. I mean, if you, I mean, like, this is this is his film for that, no doubt about it. I mean, for, for Lang, it will be Metropolis. For Bakshi, it's yeah. probably going to be either Lord of the Rings or Wizards. Yeah. Um, uh, for it's Funny Games, I guess. And actually, I, I, I see a fair bit of Hanukkah in this movie, yeah. um, or at least what Hanukkah would make later on a, a, after having seen this himself. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's the it's the it's the crescendo of noise and then the silence. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, without question, Hanukkah's career. Yeah. Um, and and we, we see that here way, way before. I mean, it's just... Um, it's, it's, that, it's just that, wow. That tearing down of bourgeois comfort as well. Which know, yeah, that's that another one. Yep. Continues uh, to do forever now. He's, he's living in a world where he's... Because now he's middle class. Now he's accepted by everyone. So pretty much all of his films now, from Important Things to Love onwards, apart from on the Silver Globe, um, will set themselves in, the, in a bourgeois world and then tear yeah. that world apart. And, and, uh, and also have it be violent but, uh, and, and, and very aggressive and loud and stuff, but senselessly yeah. so. Like, I mean, the, the, you can t- there are moments in this film where you, ju- you, just, you just sit back and think... God, guys, you could actually calm down a bit for this, but yeah. it, it's it's not a criticism. It's just the way that you know they should act, but they yeah. don't act and they don't behave that way because they are completely fully fledged, amazing characters, yeah. um, and and you, you kind of buy into the fact that they essentially overreact for every single little thing. It yeah. fits so perfectly, but um, it's it's that again. It's the tearing down. It's the bourgeois. It's the it's the senseless violence and senseless aggression, like. The kitchen's a me- like ridiculous mess. <laughs> yeah. You've never seen anything like it, even in, in in your most kitchen sink British film, where everyone's on benefits or dying because of the Tories. Yeah, because uh, that's what happens in British films. <laughs> this is this is all, you know, this is all there. This this thing is all there, but it's real. It's legit. It makes yeah. sense. It all fits. And possession is a masterpiece for that really? reason. It just simply has to be, and it is his masterpiece. And what we're obviously now going to to, to carry on talking about all, his, all the rest of his films, um, but you, 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 you just know that possession. When it comes to the end, it'll be the one we go back to and say, "Hey, absolutely, you know, it's absolutely. possession after all." Isabel Agnew dropping that glass. I can watch that bit. <laughs> just don't know. <laughs> when she's just by herself, drops. Whoops! <laughs> oh, she's divine. <laughs> so special. It's time yeah. to move on to, I suppose, what we can call the Dostoevsky duo of oh, yeah. uh, Zulavsky's career, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Two yeah, films I've, I've based. Dostoevsky written down here, too. Yeah, indeed. Two films based on the work of the great Russian novelist, the first of which is La Femme Publique, otherwise known as The Public Woman, 1984. Uh, mm-hmm. And for me, Ben, it's by far and away the most tolerable out of the two of them. Um, here, we follow an actress yeah. who gets hired for a movie. Uh, she quits or will get sacked. I'm not quite sure which. I think it's a bit of both uh, because she isn't very really good, basically. <laughs> um, but she continues to make money on the side doing naked picture shoots and filming and uh, kind of gets embroiled after that in two different possessive relationships and a diplomatic incident. Mm-hmm. Um, like all Zalafki films up to this point, Ben, um, apart from yep. Possession, yep. it kind of meanders after the first hour, this one, really. Um, sure and like and like cause of Africa films up to this point, Ben, uh, apart yep. from possession, it kind of doesn't give two shits about storytelling, really. <laughs> no, it doesn't so much, even though it's based on a Dostoevsky and um, it's based on a novel as well. <laughs> the novelist is involved in writing the screenplay. And yet, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an ideas movie. 
I think. Indeed. Uh, like pretty much everything apart from possession. And there's plenty yep. of panache here. Uh, there's fancy swirling of camera, lots of complicated tracking shocks, ETC, <laughs> lots of maniacal performances once again, Ben. But lots of eroticism as always. Now, what's interesting to me is that this is the first film since Possession, and yet there's more Possession in this film than in Possession. Yeah, and it's based on The Possessed as well. And Indeed. He seems, he seems to be referencing his own making of Possession in this film as well which yes. i think is kind of interesting it is um, and, and 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 for those reasons and 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 well pretty much just the whole thing in general I, as i say yeah. i found it more tolerable than the next one we're going to be talking about so yeah. i've really got yeah. nothing else to say on it ben um okay. but okay. That, well, though, think... one thing one thing yeah. i'd like to raise before i come over to you and that is at this point doing our uh, zalavsky uh, look back yeah. i have got a severe case of kitchenitis oh in what way well it's seen too like, many kitchens or the kitchens in this movie are in dire need of a severe and substantial clean. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I mean the entire apartment is in need of a clean but, but, in this but film. But the kitchen. Um, like, but how, it seems, it seems I mean, to be the, like a literal callback to the possession apartment. Like, it really feels like he's he's kind of doing it again. In a, but, I don't but know. please, They're, please tell me at some point during our look back of his films, Ben, I'm going to get a nice clean kitchen. Oh, do you know, I, 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 hand on heart, I can't say that's going to happen. Oh, wait, <laughs> not on, no, wait, I think if you hold out to the bitter, bitter, bitter end, I think you're going to see some frickin' lovely kitchen. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Only because, yeah. I, I, and the only reason I'm making a fuss of this, not, mm-hmm. you know, for me, on send purposes, I like dirty kitchens. Uh-huh. However, they actually cook food in these films. Yes, they cook like, food the way, the, and then The way them. he was swirling those eggs around the pan at like 100 miles an hour, like his performance, and everyone's performance is like 100 miles an hour. I've never yes. seen eggs chucked around in a pan like that. And I thought, you're not going to eat in that kitchen, are you? And thankfully, he throws the eggs on the wall, and that just adds I, to the I, grime. I couldn't, I couldn't take my eyes off those eggs during that scene. I really it was quite a thing. Like, it was quite he's a thing. making eggs, isn't he? Like, really, really fast. I mean, but, it, 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 but it's like quite a thing. But what, what a thing, the pan itself that he did the eggs in, full of, full of rust and full of, like... Bits of fried well, it looks stuff. Like a, it's probably a cast iron. Um, it would be uh, yes. But you don't want to clean. I, those, I am right? thinking well, therefore to... that with all those flavors in that pan, which is yeah. obviously what all that is as well, flavor from previous um, ex- escapades into the board of food. Then basically those will be really tasteful eggs, really tasty eggs. Really tasty. So therefore, eggs. Then, yeah. chucking them on the wall, bad move. I know. I, I, I hate seeing food wasted. Um, <laughs> I really do. It really upsets me. And like, uh, I was just thinking about how many times did they do that take? How many eggs did he throw at the wall? I'm, oh. I'm hoping they got it in one take. Really. So that's um, that's what the 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 blackness in the in the in the pan is. It's actually the previous eggs that were filmed. Previous, all the previous takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah. Eggs, publique, a whole other so, movie. We've solved that, um, and I've briefly, I've briefly brought up the mention of the fact that he reminds me of Possession a lot, whilst not being as yeah. good and being far too meandering, but having equally amount of ideas. That's pretty yeah. much La Femme Publique in a nutshell. For me, Ben, what about you? So this is the fourth time I've seen La Femme Publique, and every time I see it, it gets a little bit more interesting than the time before. I'm already looking forward to viewing number five. <laughs> <clears throat> as you say, it is about an actress and i'm doing air bunnies around me here it's about an actress who auditions for a role in an adaptation of a dostoyevsky novel called the possessed she doesn't get the part um and then she goes off doing her photography work then she does get the part and then she is kind of embroiled into playing another part and for me, there's a lot going on here about the playing of a part uh, of mm-hmm. performing because this woman is performing in a number of different avenues. Like every part of her life involves a performance. She's never being herself. She's always no. performing. And there's this kind of self, the self-reflexivity of making a film about making a film where <clears throat> he's quite clearly talking about the nature of filmmaking and what's phony and what's real and nothing here is real everything is phony everything is a performance and i'm, I'm going to do a, a very rare complete spoiler alert thing here we know that he's obsessed with this game because at the end of the film the entire cast including people who've died all walk out together bow to the camera and are then replaced with the crew who made this film including Zolovsky himself standing mm-hmm. in the center and you're not going to do that kind of thing if you're <clears throat> making Lethal Weapon 2. Um, he knows that he's making some statement about films, the production of films, the phoniness of them, the artifice. We're in the 80s now, so Zlowski's obsession with kind of going over the top 
really kicks it up a notch. Mm. That's what, mm. as long as these two films in particular, these films are really, really loud the whole way through. And if you love tracking shots of Valerie Kaprisky walking briskly from one place to another, then boy, do I have a film for you. Fill your boots. There's a lot of her walking from one place to another place with a tracking shot, 28 mil lens on her the whole way through. I mean, I think there's also a lot. Okay. What he's doing now is he's, he's, he's doing this thing where he, he takes an actress who's, and he kind of, he builds on someone who's not really that well known. So he's done it with uh, um, Isabel Agenie. He's mm-hmm. doing it here with Valerie Kaprisky. He does it again with Sophie Marceau later on. But with the, the casting of Valerie Kaprisky in this film is kind of interesting because not that she's not a great actress, but a lot of the casting I feel is about how she looks and about how she looks when she's walking around and about how she looks when she's dancing with no clothes on. I think that that's a, a very, very conscious decision about this is a film about this woman's body and everyone's staring at it and how she performs for people's enjoyment. And I, th- I think there's a, a cutting yep. statement about audiences and audience participation in women going on and this here. Is, so, this is 35 years pre-Me Too movement. Right. And yet there's a, you're, you're being encouraged, you're being brought into this thing. You're sitting there thinking, look at this out. I don't know. It's, 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 it's got, it's walking a very fine line here. It's mm-hmm. the kind of thing like, what's the, like the daily mail publishes an article about like, Oh, look at this disgusting display of flesh on pages seven, eight, nine, 11, 12, 13, 14 and 15. <laughs> it's all the way along for you. And it's doing this kind of thing where it's like, Oh, look at this disgusting thing. Yeah. You'll start watching there, ain't you buddy? Yeah. We all know what's going on here. Um, it's, it's playing a real kind of, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a cutting statement about the nature of cinema going on in this film. Yep. And also, um, boy, does Zolovsky know how to film a car crash? Wow, no one was expecting that in this. Cars don't just crash in this movie. Jesus, they go nuclear. It's a hell of a thing. And, and, and eggs don't merely merely fry, and meat it's, grinders it's, don't merely grind. Ben, no, <laughs> no it's it, it's just it's so over the top. I'm kind of quietly obsessed with this film. It's it's meandering. I would not for a second deny that at all. It does. It meanders. It goes all over the place. But if you follow um, the journey with us, you've got used to that because it is the, all yeah. of his films meander. The only one that really doesn't is Possession. All the rest yeah. do so far. Yes, so. and I don't really understand why. Like with possession, he just he strips everything right back. You've got this very very simple story at the centre mm-hmm. of it. It works really well. He's never going to do that again. No. <laughs> Spoiler alert: He never does no. that again. He he piles dialogue on top of dialogue on top of subplots on top of different things and stuff. And you know you know what, Andre? Strip it back a bit, and it's beautiful. Um, as as it is, it's fascinating. But um, yeah. It is no possession, but uh... and and basically, if you listen to the Ralph Bakshi episode that we and that we did with former presenter Alex, mm. uh, the Royal Week that is, uh, mm-hmm. basically this this film has women been slung around, um, mm-hmm. much like much like um, in some Ralph Bakshi animation movies, basically. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's a live action version of um, of of Ralph yeah. Bakshi, I would say. So uh, yeah, curious thing to say, but also very very true. Women get some serious slung around action to themselves and it's bizarre um yeah yeah. (laughs) really uncomfortable to see i must say ben really uncomfortable which 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 back are we talking about here so which back ralph back no no which ralph back film oh well i mean i think there's a couple that kind of come to mind um does that uh the names escape me now which is which is obviously really really good fritz the cats obviously one where women get slung about quite a lot um, yeah. But and but when they're actually getting kicked through cars and like they actually go through the entire vehicle, for example, yeah. uh, I think probably um, Hey Good Looking. Yeah. So Hey Good Looking, Fritz the Cat, stuff like that, uh, yeah. have plenty of women That's being you. thrown around like pieces of, of tissue in the wind, basically. Not... And this is this is that film, basically. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. And but at the same time, it kind of it, it it's trying to be a statement about that film. Absolutely, it's, it's, it's um, two yeah. things at once. It's so, uh, yeah, La Femme Publique. Um, it's uh, yeah, you obviously got more of out of it multiple times than I did. 
Um, wow. I don't necessarily want to revisit it again, uh, but I think I'll be saying that about quite a few of these movies, to be brutally honest. <laughs> um, because, hey, as we've already established, we may have already peaked. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. what what we got the year after, though? I think it's the so, year after, isn't it? Lamore Brack, Brack Lamore, if you'd like Lamour, to switch things around to make it in- English-sized. What is <clears throat> Lamore Brack, then? So... That's a very good question. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna come out here and say this. This was the first time I've seen Lamor Brack or Indeed. Mad Love or Limpet Love or whatever you want to call it, and I don't feel like I can stand up in front of a room full of people and tell them everything about this movie because I only saw it one time, and it's an assault on the senses, it quite is. unlike anything else that we've seen Mr. Zalowski do before. I, for some reason, there's two films of his that I haven't seen. There's this one, and there's another one. So it's the first time I watched it. It's the story about a robber. Um, he's off doing his robbing, and then he goes um, back to Paris. He, he, wait, where's he robbing? He's robbing in like Estonia or somewhere? He goes back to Paris, and then he meets some guy along the way. <laughs> yeah. Kind of goes with him, and he um, goes to get his girlfriend back, basically. Um, his girlfriend is now with some other villains or some businessmen or something. Mm-hmm. He goes to get her, and then, as you might expect, the the kind of the loser that he meets along the way starts to fall for his girlfriend, and you then get a kind of love triangle going on between these three people, um, and hilarity ensues. Not so much. Um, it's another Dostoevsky adaptation. This one is The Idiot, which is a Dostoevsky I haven't read, so I haven't read The, the Idiot. This is the first time I've seen this film. I've got a lot of information to process here. Um, a lot of stuff to think about. Um, we have a lot of stuff that Zalowski fans would have come to expect. There's a lot of shouting. Um, there's a lot of nudity. Um, unexpectedly, there's a lot of kind of like Hollywood action style sequences, mm-hmm. which which was different. A lot of guns, uh, a lot of shooting, um, especially beginning and the end of this movie. Um, and then, yeah, we kind of like watch this this love triangle play out. At the last minute, we get a film within a film revelation of why the female character is kind of so messed up. Um, in a, a very upsetting film within a film scene, which immediately took me straight back to possession again, watching the Isabelle Ajani teaching ballet. Uh, for anyone who thinks we're going to get possession again, we're not. It's not going to happen. Give it. Give up. We, we live here now. Um, <laughs> in this this film of I, I, it's so excessive. This this absolutely assaulted me like the acting the camera movements what they're doing on screen like everything how they're doing it how they're doing it um everything about this film is turned up to 12 <laughs> like everything um it, it washed over me in this kind of like multi we are we're we are in the 80s this is bright this is brass yeah. and colorful um, and it really kind of washed over me, and I, I I need to see it again in order to come out with something insightful um, about this film because it 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 was chaos basically. It, it's a story that you've seen a million times before, but you haven't seen it done like this. Um, there were moments that I I really enjoyed. I, I really loved it. Um, I thought Sophie Marceau in particular was fantastic. Um, uh, there wasn't enough Sophie in this movie for me. There was too much time spent with um, Mickey and Leon, the the two kind of gangster central characters. Um, a lot of this was kind of a lot of this film was quite obtuse, difficult to follow. The dialogue is kind of bonkers. I'll I'll say that. I, I, I don't know if I'm speaking for both of us here, but I thought that the dialogue was kind of bonkers. Mm-hmm. I, I looked it up, and they got like a they got a poet to rewrite the dialogue, or something like that. So all the dialogue has been kind of written in a particularly obfuscating, confusing way. Um, yeah, I know. I, I'm going to see this again in the future. I I don't think you are. I could be wrong. But you, you also know that applies to probably 95% of this entire list, Ben. <laughs> Barring any sudden miracle, which I really can't see happening. However, we are here to do a juicy, and uh, reviewing we we shall continue to do. The problem with these two films for me, above all else, yeah, I think you need a bit of Dostoevsky knowledge here. Yes. Um, yes, I, I don't have a shred of it. And, and also, there's another thing as well. Yeah. Historically, for me, when you take... And it seems, and it seems to be like I've always had an issue with Faust in a film as well. Yeah, 
the, the, the novels are so kind of, of of their time and they are so grandiose that it's actually impossible to shoehorn it into a 90-minute movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so you kind of you, you either compensate by having it as too long a movie, or you have it yeah. as like a, being a too artistic movie because you want to try and cram as much art into each and every scene that you can. Yeah. For me, that's a problem with both of these films. Actually. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the previous one a bit less than Lamor Brack. Um, mm-hmm. That's the massive problem that I have with all films that do this, not just Zalewski's choice here. Um, mm. Some a novel isn't the same as a film. No. Obviously. Um, Sometimes you need you, sometimes you need ten thousand pages. Sometimes you just need ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. They are completely different things, and to try and unite them into a thing is difficult. And for me, mm-hmm. I found the high octane nature of this that the, the you know everyone's if you will silliness. Um, I found it grating after about half an hour, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I mean, you know what what is interesting for me though. Uh, and at least there is something interesting, even in the ones that I don't like and, and we don't like. There are, are we have something to say, um, which yeah. is not always the case. Obviously, what's interesting to me is again always have to go back to possession because it is his core film. Um, everything up to that point led to that film, and then everything yep. afterwards is kind of rift off that film. Yeah. Um, but in in a, in a way, uh, but possession really, if you've got the hysterical performances in possession, are all about the anger, the jealousy, and the lust. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, hyster- the hysterical performances in these two films are very much not about that. Um, mm-hmm. and b- but particularly this film is actually the opposite. It's joyous mm-hmm. goofiness, right? Yeah. The- these yeah, criminals yeah. are having the time of their lives doing this, particularly for yeah. the- early on in the film. There's-, there's just so much larking about doing this robbery and stuff. It's the, the swinging off lampshade- uh, lamp uh, posts in the street and stuff. They're having a brilliant time doing this. So that's interesting that this, in many ways... Th- I feel that this is the film that he should have put after Possession. Yeah. Because it's yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. the complete opposite of Possession uh, for the most part. But it came two films after Possession, which is interesting to me. Um, but anyway, that's um, a bit like yourself, really. There's not too much else I can say after the initial monologue here. Um, I think would I recommend this one peak, or the previous peak one? Sophie Mar- peak Sophie Marceau hair is what I'll say. Sophie mm. Marceau has peak hair in this movie. If you, <laughs> yeah. if you want to go through her career, finding the film where she's got the best hair is this film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my big review of Lemon Brack. 